All right, John chapter 19, we're going to dive right in here. We're going to have some fun with this one. It says in John 19, verses 28 through 30, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, love this little uh, excerpt or passage from Scripture is connected to, obviously, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And so Jesus is on the cross uh, at this moment, and he is knowing that what he came to accomplish has been accomplished and it is being accomplished. And he's at that point where he is at the point of death. And in this moment, at the point of death, he does something incredible. If you just read it, you'll kind of skip over it or not really pay attention to it. But he, he's at the point of death. So you know what happened to him, right? He's been beaten. He's been spit on. He's been lied about. He's been stabbed. He's been all these different things have happened. And in this moment, instead of just dying, he wants to satisfy the scriptures. Do you notice that? He says in order to satisfy scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. I love the fact that God is always faithful to what he said he was going to do. This is a prophecy from the Old Testament that was fulfilled in the moment of Jesus' death. So you may feel, and this is side right here, this is free. This is not really to do with the message. It's free here. But you may feel like somehow God has spoken something over your life. And, and you may be seeing it's not really happening right now. God is always faithful to his words. If he has prophesied something to you in scripture or you in your personal prayer time, I can promise you that God will fulfill it. Here's a man at the point of death, and he is deciding to put his death on hold in order to satisfy Old Testament prophecy. I'm grateful for a faithful God that will put his death on hold to satisfy something that he's spoken to existence hundreds of years before. So don't miss the power of God being faithful to his word. And I just want to say, most of you haven't heard me preach before. I get a little excited. My face gets red. My hair frizzes out. My lips flap and my veins pop out my neck. And I spit a whole bunch. Yeah, some of you are already looking at the spit, right? It's all right. We're going to get at it today. So here we go. This word or this phrase that Jesus says, it is finished, is a word that maybe some of you have heard before. It is from the Greek word tetalista. Everybody look at somebody and say tetalista. Tetalista, right? Now say it again. Look at somebody again and say tetalista. All right, so this, this word tetalista is a pretty remarkable word because this is actually an accounting phrase. Do we have any accountants in the room? Some of you are not proud of your profession, right? <laughs> Sir, do not point me out. <laughs> but this is an accounting term, and this term means paid in full. So when Jesus is on the cross at the point of death, he puts his death on hold for a few minutes or however long it was in order to satisfy this prophecy because he fulfills his word always and forever. But in this moment, he says, tetalista, it is finished or paid in full. And this phrase paid in full doesn't mean to just cancel a debt. It means to satisfy a debt. How many of you riding around on a pretty nice car? Yeah. How many of you owe something on that car? So You're not proud of that. Yeah, there you go, my man. He said, how many of you going to pay that car off one day? How many of you going to be excited the day you pay that car off? Or you pay that truck off. 
How many of you are like me? You ride around on 20 and 30-year-old cars so you don't have to pay them off. You are my people. Yes, right? But listen, there's going to come a day where that ride seems a little sweeter. When you don't have to pay the bank or somebody else every month, that ride's going to seem a little sweeter. You're going to be like, listen to this kitten purr. Right? It's going to seem a little bit better when the debt is paid in full. And this is what Jesus is getting at here. He's saying, listen, tetelista, it is finished. The weight or the debt of certain things in our life has been paid in full. And we'll get to some of those things, exactly what he paid in full and what debts he satisfied for us. But here's here's some of the things that I realize is that there's a lot of us in this room that will celebrate the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. We'll celebrate this tetelista, this paid in full. We'll celebrate it, but then we'll walk out of this room today and we will live, live as if we're still under the debt. We'll live as if we're still under the weight or the pressure of certain things that Jesus already died to pay for. And so I heard that this was a church that liked strong preaching. Is that true? So today, maybe you might, we might have to take one on the chin together because we'll come to church and we'll wear our suits and we'll look fancy and nice and we'll gel our hair and we'll put on our makeup. Well, I didn't wear any makeup today. You can probably tell. But we'll do these things and we'll come and we'll celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but we'll walk out of here and still live like hell. We'll walk out of here and still live as the pressure and the weight and the wrath of God are still upon our back. It is not. You have been paid in full. So today we're going to celebrate this tetelista or this ability that Jesus had to pay something in full for us. I love the, in the Greek language, there's several different tenses. But one thing you have to know about this word, this phrase tetelista in the scripture is that it is written in the perfect tense. Right? It's written, they have something called the perfect tense. And it's written in the perfect tense. And here's why that's important. It's important because the perfect tense means that whatever is in the perfect tense was a completed action that has current results. This is what's happening here is when Jesus says, Tetelista, it is finished. He's not saying my work of reconciliation and paying your debt in full stayed 2,000 years ago. He said, I paid it in full 2,000 years ago and it's still having results and compounding today. Aren't you grateful that Jesus didn't just pay it in full for those 2,000 years ago? But for those of us today, he is still paying the debt in full for us. It's in the perfect tense, and you better be glad it is. You better be glad it's not in another tense where the word and the action and the result of the work just stayed then 2,000 years ago. It happened then, and you are still being free today because of a tetelista, a paid-in-full written in the perfect tense. So don't miss the beauty of the tense in the scriptures. So now let's take some moments and go ahead and talk about some things that Jesus freed us from or some debts that he paid. In order to do this, I want you to flip over to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27, this is a parallel passage, which just basically means it's kind of the same story but it gives a little bit different perspective on it. And I love this one, and this has got a little bit of a kind of a walking dead mindset to it. Um, So some of you don't want to raise your hand. I'm sure if you're a fan of walking dead and I ask you, you would not raise your hand in church. Uh, So here we go. Matthew 27, verse 50 through 54. If you got it, say got it. If you need more time, say hold up. 
I heard a few hold ups. I'll give you two seconds. One, two. All right, let's read. She'll be on the screen, is it? No. Oh, ooh, that's fancy right there. How you doing, Scooter? Okay. All right. My church don't got that. Right? We ain't got this. I'm not on any kind of screen at my church, so that's pretty cool. All right, here we go. Matthew 27, verses 50 through 54. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split apart, the tombs opened, the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. How many of you think that's normal? <laughs> right? If this happened in Lebanon today, yeah, this would be a little bit crazy, right? It said, the Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. And they said, this man truly was the son of God. So now let's take a moment and talk about some things and we'll, bring, we'll come back to both of our texts. Let's talk about some things, some debts, some weights that Jesus has paid in full and released us from, but many of us still live under. You still live under the weight and the debt and, the, and these things in our daily life. Let's take a moment and talk about some of these things. Here's the first thing that we know that Jesus has paid in full, the wrath of God. The wrath of God. Now, this isn't like a popular topic. This isn't one when you say, oh, yeah, the wrath of God. Nobody's going, it's kind of one of those things that you're like, oh my gosh, the wrath of God, it's a little scary, it's a little mysterious, it's a little bit unnerving. But literally, when Jesus says, Tedalista, what he is telling you and me is that he has paid in full the wrath of God, which should have been applied to your case. God is a just God, and so sin always has to be paid for. God is not flimsy, and so God punishes sinners. Aren't you grateful? that he put your punishment on the back of another man. He put the weight of his wrath not on you, but on Christ. And so we know that Jesus has paid in full the wrath of God for you and I. There's this, this word that you, is in scripture, maybe you've heard it before, it's the word propitiation. Look at somebody and say propitiation. Try not to cuss, please. Right? You got propitiation. This idea of propitiation is the theological concept, and I'm going to read some verses for you where propitiation is in there from the book of Romans. But this idea of propitiation is that the wrath of God has been appeased or satisfied. And we better be grateful for that. You better be grateful. Go read the scriptures. Go read some of the Old Testament works. Go, go read Revelation. Go read some of these things. You better be grateful that the wrath of God has been satisfied on our behalf as believers. Check this out in Romans 1.18. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppresses the truth and unrighteousness. Anybody here today ever been ungodly? Okay, um, let's try that again. Anybody in the room ever been ungodly? All right, we're going to try it one more time because some of y'all straight up ungodly right now because you're lying. Anybody in the room ever been ungodly? Thank you. Anybody in the room have an ungodly spouse? Okay, no, 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 no. Right, don't, don't point. Some, some of y'all are like, <laughs> just kidding, not trying to break up any marriages here. But here, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. 1 John 2, 2 says, my little children, I am writing these things to you 
so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Aren't you grateful? Look at 1 John 4, 9 through 10. It says, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be propitiation for our sins. This idea that Jesus came and paid in full the wrath of God that you deserve to suffer. Every one of us in this room, I don't care how many Sunday school classes you've been to, how many little old ladies you've helped across the street, I don't know how many kind, righteous acts that you can put down on your report card that you've done. You, all of us together are ungodly. All of us together are filthy, our righteous acts are filthy rags to the Lord. But every single one of us, because of those things, deserve the wrath of God. You deserve to suffer. You deserve to be tormented. You deserve for your sin. You deserve the wrath of God. But I'm grateful for a Savior that came when he didn't have to. Did you know in Scripture, it said, I didn't have to come. I volunteered to do it. Aren't you grateful for a Savior that said, hey, listen, I see the suffering. I see in the future what they're going to go through. I see the wrath of God that as a just God, it has to be poured out on somebody. And so I will take that on me. I will come and I will, let, I will pay for their sin. I'll, I'll pay it in full. The wrath of God has been satisfied. And you no longer have to suffer the wrath of God in your life. You should be grateful for it. But most of the time we go to churches, we sit on our, our hands and twiddle our thumbs and we're okay. Like we feel like we're good. No, listen, you need to be celebrating every day. You need to be waking up, excited, pumped up that God in heaven has satisfied his wrath on the back of Jesus Christ. That is paid in full. But some of you, because of your ungodliness, you've shamed yourself. And you're still living under the weight of those ungodly things that you've done. And you're still feeling like you're not good enough. Guess what? You'll never be good enough. But the good thing is you don't have to be good enough. God was good enough for you. And so we should celebrate and we should be excited that the wrath of God has been paid in full. Tetelestai. Here's another thing that has been paid in full. Today, the separation from God has been paid in full. Now, this might be, if you don't spend a lot of one-on-one alone time with the Lord, this may be something that you don't necessarily celebrate. But listen, for somebody I uh, talked about a little bit last night, for somebody who spends uh, time with the Lord because I grew up lonely, grew up feeling like nobody really cared about me other than my mom. My dad had some drug and alcohol issues, was in and out of treatment and rehab centers. I grew up feeling I had father issues, daddy issues. I still am struggling and working through some of those things. But I know what it's like to be lonely and to understand that because of sin, I deserve to be separated from God. But there is a God who decided, you know what, Scooter, I love you enough that I don't want to be separated from you. I want to be with you. In fact, I'm going to make a way for you to come into my throne room. I'm not going to make you speak to me from far away. I'm going to make a way for you to come all the way into the presence of God. That is something that you should be celebrating, something we should be, you know, high-fiving our friends and chest bumping and high-kicking and spirit fingers. We should be pumped up that we get to be in the presence of God. Man, we deserve the wrath of God, and we deserve separation from God. And when you truly understand the gift of salvation through Jesus, man, you'll get amped up that you get to be in the presence of God. The wrath of God that should be on your case is no longer there because Jesus took it on his back. 
And the separation from God that you deserve is no longer there because tetelestai, it has been paid in full. Check out this verse here in Hebrews. This is one of my favorite verses in all scripture. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Anybody grateful for a Savior that understands what you're going through? The other day, I was wrapped up in my emotions a little bit and just kind of thinking through some things in the morning. I wake up early. Any early risers here? I get pegged because I'm a young dude with really fresh, good-looking hair. Um, I get pegged that, uh, you know, I wake up late. I'm, a, I'm usually up around 4.30 in the morning, 4.30, 5 o'clock. I just love, I got, I got five kids. Five kids, that's a lot, right? And yes, I know how that happens. Okay, good, fantastic. <laughs> Every time I go somewhere and they see five, do you know how that, yes, I do, okay? But so I got to wake up early. It takes a long time to look this good. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I didn't say anything funny. Okay. But I wake up early, and, and I love to get in prayer time and read the Word. And as I'm up early and praying and, and spending a long time with the Lord, the other day I was a little bit just kind of caught up in my emotions. And I was grateful that I was able to go to the throne of Jesus and just say, you know, right now you understand my weakness. Right now you understand what I'm going through. Right now you understand you know, what I'm facing and the temptations I'm going. Aren't you grateful for a Savior that can empathize, a Savior that can sympathize, a, a Savior that understands what you're battling? Man, that, that is a beautiful blessing, so don't miss that. But check this here. It says he understands our weaknesses because he faced the same testings we did and did not sin. Verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Man, you, that is such a blessing. You cannot miss that. If you, if you miss that, bro, you, you got some stuff going on in your life. You got to understand that in, in Old Testament and also in the beginning of the New Testament, before the death of Jesus, in the temple, and this seems like a very uh, biblically literate church, I listened to some of your messages, so you probably know this already, uh, but you, know, you understand that the temple, and in the temple, there was this place called the Holy of Holies. And this is a room that uh, one day a year on the Day of Atonement, basically, that the high priest was able to go in and try to atone or pay for the sins of the people. And so there was other places. There was a holy place that kind of normal priests could go in, but this idea of a common person like you and I walking into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, was a foreign concept. It was not something that people would have thought was even possible. But when Jesus said, Tetelestai, it is finished, what he did as he died and the earthquake happened, that curtain which separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple was torn in two, symbolizing that now common folks like you and I can go all the way in to the presence of God. And I'm excited that when I'm struggling or just when I want to have a little praise break and tell God how good he is, that I don't have to stay far away. I can go all the way into the throne room of God. I can get smack dab in the middle of God's presence and celebrate the fact that I love him and he loves me. So don't miss the beauty that God paid in full the wrath of God. He satisfied the wrath of God and he satisfied the separation of God that all of us deserve. Now you get to go way all the way into the presence of God. You get to kneel at his throne. You get to stand there, sit there, kneel there, tell him how good he is. You get to get grace from him. 
Don't miss the beauty of the separation of God being satisfied and paid for in full. Here's another one. How about the hold of death? The hold of death. Listen to the verses again here. It says in verse 52 or verse 51 of Matthew 27, at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split apart, and the tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. Do you see what is happening there? That there are people in the tomb, people in the grave, but through the death of Jesus, his tetelestai, his being paid in full, the hold of death it had on those people was released. And you better be grateful because all of us, we, have a, we had a hold, a spiritual death that was on, had hold on each of us. But when Jesus went to the cross and beat death, hell, in the grave, that hold of death was released from you and now paid in full. You get to stand and live and one day be in heaven for all eternity without the sting and the hold of death on your case. He has paid it in full. Isn't this a kind of a comical when you play this out in your mind that in this passage, they, they spent some time in the tomb alive. You notice this? You notice that it says they were risen from the dead. So they were risen from the dead when Jesus died, but they stayed in the tomb alive until his resurrection. Don't miss it. Look at the text. And I wonder how many people in this room, man, you've tasted life. And you understand that there was a hold of death that was on you that you've been released from. But you're staying in the tomb. You're staying there hiding out, scared to death that somebody might actually realize that Jesus saved your sorry tale. You're scared to get out of the tomb. Get out of the tomb. Like we're we're in the tomb and we're just. Like, no, you've been released from death. There was a hold that death had on you. And it's time to get out of the tomb and go live this thing out. Man, you have been paid in full. You deserve the wrath of God. You deserve hell. You deserve the punishment of God. You deserve separation from God. And you deserve death to have a hold on you that can't be shaken. But as a believer in Jesus, none of those things apply to you any longer. Tetelestai, it is paid in full. You have been released from it. So step out of the tomb and let's live this thing called faith. There are too many of us right now that are saying amen and clapping our hands and want to come and play church. But we'll walk out of here and still live under these pressures. Stop living under something that Jesus went to the grave to release you from. Yeah, you messed up in some form or fashion. You'll always be messed up, right? I mean, I don't know if Tennessee's a lot more holy than North Carolina, but we got some crazy people in North Carolina. My wife is one of them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. She's right over there. Hey, Lord, wherever you are, I see, I see my son. Is she not with you? Oh, she just skipped out. She heard me preaching though. Okay. <laughs> Wherever you are, Lord, I love you. I mean, isn't she lucky? I mean, look at this, right? She gets to wake up with this every single day. She is blessed. Just kidding. Y'all pray for her. She needs some prayers. I do want to quickly say this, that 
uh, we have a little bit of an issue in our home right now. So I really do need you to pray for my wife. She shared some very difficult news with me the other day. Uh, she came to me and said, Scooter, I have a problem. And I said, what is it? And, and she said, I think that I'm starting to like Zaxby's more than Chick-fil-A. Uh, if you know any, you don't know much about me, but I want you to know I am a straight up Chick-fil-A dude. Any Chick-fil-A people in the audience? Yes. God's chicken. We can preach on that, baby. Last night I went to Chick-fil-A after battle cry and got some French fries because that's the most holy thing you can do after preaching, except on Sunday. And I went in there and the guy was like, how can I help you, sir? I'm like, I would like to get two large fries. And I said, does your, I have to eat dairy-free and gluten-free, not because I want to, but any, if anybody in this room chooses to eat gluten-free and dairy-free, you're weird. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to get kicked out of here. This will probably be the last time you ever hear from me. So. <laughs> but, but listen, I, I, I said I had to eat dairy-free. Is, the, is your grilled chicken still have the dairy allergen? And the guy was like, oh, let me find out for you. And he does this little stuff on the computer and prints out a receipt and shows me everything that's in the French fries. And Like, what other place does that? And then the guy was like, here, let me get your water for you. Let me put it in a cup holder for you. Can I take it to your car? I mean, he's doing, that is God, that's got to be Jesus. So my wife is like, I think I like Zaxby's more. Come on, Laura. Oh, my gracious. Okay. But we need to be excited that we have been released from these things. As jacked up people, as people with difficulties, as people with a life of sin, as unfinished products in many forms or fashions, we can shame ourselves and we can let the wrath of God sit on us. And cause us to feel not good enough and shameful. Listen, you've been released from that. You've been released from that. That weight, that debt has been taken off of your case. Jesus has telalista. He has paid it in full. The wrath of God for you as a believer in Jesus Christ is finished. So please stop living under the weight of the wrath of God. Stop living as if the wrath of God and, and shame is your master. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name is Jesus. And it's time to let him take what he took. If you go read in the New Testament, I was reading this morning the book of Galatians. Recently, I've been reading in Galatians and some of the other uh, books around it. And I noticed something that what, what Paul was getting at is he's saying, listen, like you've died to that old life. Stop trying to reestablish that system. You, you know, you, you used to try to meet the law. You used to try to do all these different things. But listen, Jesus paid for it. It's done. Quit trying to reestablish this old system. And many of us in this room, we're doing the same thing. Like you tried to be good enough for God. And when you failed, you felt shameful. And you felt like the wrath of God was going to come upon you. Listen, it has been paid for. Quit trying to reestablish a system of old that's been satisfied. Quit reestablishing that in your life. The, the wrath of God has been paid for. Separation from God has been paid for. You don't have to go to, I think you should go to your pastor and gain wisdom from him and listen to him and have counseling. But listen, to speak to God, you don't have to hear from a pastor. To talk to God, you don't have to come to a church. I think you should come to church. I serve at a church, work at a church. My kids are at church almost seven days a week. We're at church all the time. While I think church is great, you don't have to come to church to hear from God or speak to God. You better be grateful that the separation from God that you deserve has been paid in full. And you get to come all the way in to the presence of God.
paid in full, separation from God, wrath of God, and the hold or the sting of death. You have been released from the hold of death. It's time to get out of the tomb and start living. It's time to go into Lebanon and actually show people what Jesus looks like. See, some of you think that you really can't do anything that amounts to anything at all because, oh, I'm just a hairdresser. No, God made you a hairdresser so people can see what it's like when Jesus cuts their hair. God made you a school teacher and allowed you to do that so people can see, so kids can understand what it's like when Jesus teaches them math. You got to understand that Jesus placed you where he placed you for you to get out of the tomb and start living free, unrestricted and unhindered, unhindered by the wrath of God and separation from God and the hold of death. God placed you where he placed you on purpose. It was by design, not by accident. And so you're there to get out of the tomb and shine the light. And as we finish today, I just want to take a moment and read Matthew 11, 28, because I believe you never outgrow your need for the gospel, whether you're 85, whether you're 18, whether you're 8, whether you're 108. Listen to this, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Then Jesus came to him, all who are weary, and said, or Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So I mentioned earlier propitiation about how the wrath of God has been satisfied. Now let's talk about expitiation. This means that the sin that you have in your life and the penalty of it has now been paid in full. It means that the weight of that sin has been removed from your case. So we need to understand today that it's time to live free. This is a struggle in the church today. Maybe not just this one, but in North Carolina, I told you we're crazy. And I look around at the churches and we got people claiming the name of Jesus who are walking around living restricted and hindered and not free. Jesus came to die to give you freedom. He came so you could live free. He came so you could live free. He came so you could live free. So stop living under the weight and the the debts and those strongholds that have already been satisfied and paid in full. So here Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Rest in my finished work. Rest in my grace and rest in my mercy. So I don't know what kind of church this is. I think it's a pretty good one. Would you agree? I think you have a pretty good pastor. Would you agree? I think Troy's pretty cool. He sings really well. I think your youth pastor's pretty cool. I think your sound guy is awesome because everything I've ever needed since I've been here is yesterday. He's meeting every single need I've had. So I think it's a really great place. And you would agree with me? But it's time to live free. Right? It's time for us to get to this place where we stop living under the debt and the weight that's already been satisfied. And you're probably saying, Scooter, why are you repeating yourself so much? I'll, start, I'll stop saying it when you start living it. It is time for us to live free. Man, nobody cares about your flimsy little Jesus if they don't see you live a free, unhindered life. Nobody cares that you come to church if they don't see the freedom of Jesus and how he released you from the dead become active in your family. If they don't see that, they don't give a hill of beans where you come on Sunday from 9 to 12. It's the truth, whether you believe it or not. People don't care. They don't care. 
until they see it in you. They don't care until freedom goes from something from your brain and it morphs down into your heart and you start to live free and unhindered. That's when people start to notice. That's when people start to care. That's when Lebanon changes. That's when your church changes. That's when your life changes. When you step out of the tomb and you get released from the stuff, that's when life changes. And that's when people start to care. And that's when these empty seats get full. It is time for us to live free. Man, if I came to you or you, let's say with your children, you took the time to do something for them that was really, really nice. And, and in doing something that was really, really nice, you got hurt. And your kid came and saw you and you were hurt, showed up in the hospital. And you're up there. Maybe you got a broken leg and maybe you got an IV and maybe some other stuff has happened to you. And they just walk in and say, hey. And then turn around and leave. What you going to do? Choke them out, right? I mean, you don't even see what I did for you. And here I am, got a broken leg, and I got the IV, and I got the... You do understand that's a funny illustration, but guess what? That's what we do to Christ all the time. Christ came to satisfy, to telelista, to pay in full your debt. You're the wrath of God for your life. He came to pay in full, tetelestai, the separation from God and the hold of death that all of us deserve. And here's what happens is we walk in and we're like, okay, thanks. And we walk out and still live like hell. It's time to get real, guys. It is time to get real. It's time to celebrate a Savior that will tetelestai for each and every one of us. It's time to celebrate a God that says, listen, Man, I will put my death on hold in order to satisfy prophecy. Because if I say something, it's going to happen. It's time to celebrate a Savior that even though each one of us deserve the wrath of God, that he says, you know what, I'll volunteer to take it for you. Can you imagine, just think when you have failed, Troy, you guys can come up, whatever you're doing for the altar call, but I want to do an altar call if that's okay. But uh, here's, here's the, the thing is, When you sin, just you as a single person, when you sin, guess what happens? You feel guilt. Sometimes if you don't deal with it enough, your guilt will kind of bleed into shame. And imagine how you feel as just one act of moment of sin for one person. Man, you're struggling, right? Now take all sin from billions and billions and billions and billions of people from past, present, and future. All acts of sin that have ever been committed and will ever be committed. And put that on the heart and the soul of one man at one single second. Imagine what he was going through. Imagine the weight of it. Imagine the, uh, the, how magnificent and overwhelming it must have been to be in that moment. That here is a guy who is sinless, who said no to sin so he could say yes to saving each one of us. And in that moment, he is facing and feeling the guilt and the shame of every single sin, past, present, and future for all eternity. It's a pretty crazy thing to think that he volunteered for it. It's a pretty crazy thing to think that he would say, man, I love you so much that I will pay in full the wrath of God that should be applied to you, I'll take it. The separation from God because of your sin that should be for you, I'll take it. The hold of death and that sting of death, hey, I'll take that. I got it for you. And in the church today, we want to 
take those things for granted. And we want to walk out of the church and still live hindered and still live restricted. It's time as believers in Jesus Christ to live free.